Hey, it's Andrew, and I wanted to thank you for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. Did you know that you can subscribe to the Door County Pulse podcast on Apple Podcasts or Pocket Casts or wherever you get your podcasts to have new episodes delivered to your feed twice a week on Wednesday and Friday? All you have to do is pick up your phone, navigate to your podcast app, and search for Door County or Door County Pulse podcast and click subscribe. If you're a longtime listener or if this is your first episode, we hope you enjoy the Door County Pulse podcast. Welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast, where each week we talk with the writers and editors of the Peninsula Pulse about the stories you can find in this week's issue. I'm Andrew Clyden, and I'm joined this week by Miles Danhausen, writer and editor of the Peninsula Pulse. How's it going, Miles? It's going good, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Getting excited for Fourth of July weekend coming up, hoping that the weather gets a little bit better because it's been kind of gloomy the past couple of days. Yeah, we've we had a nice little week long stretch, and you know we're getting the gray again. Yep. But the but the rain stopped right now, so looking out the window. Feeling better. We got a couple of days to prepare. Uh, Miles, we have some news this week that I want to talk about. We'll talk a little bit and then we'll jump into a break and then we have a, a pretty interesting story to talk about after that. But to start off, the new Door County Living magazine is out. Yeah. Yeah. We got the uh, late summer edition is out on newsstands now. Um, a lot of really good stories. I've been hearing a lot of good feedback already on it. Um, there's uh, Aaliyah Kidd did this great profile of kind of the evolution of the food scene, which we've talked a lot about a lot on this podcast, right. interviewing chefs and um, the, the people involved in, who are kind of bringing the food scene to like that next evolution. And she kind of traces it all back and talks about a lot of different restaurants, kind of pays homage to some of those places like the Mission and the Inn at Christopher's and Alexander's that kind of made that leap in the 90s for Door County Dining. And then also like now what people are doing to that kind of build on what that foundation they laid. Well, and also too, there's, there's been a huge, uh, like time of discovery for what dining can be in Door County. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, there, there's been the, a lot of people who have been kind of, uh, breaking through and trying a bunch of different stuff. I mean, the alfresco dining revolution was huge starting right. to get outside and enjoying uh, the nature and everything that you came up to Door County for while you're eating. Uh, and then you've got people doing all sorts of uh, more non-traditional things, like the farm dinners that are happening up here and and that type of stuff. So it, it's been really cool to see in the last 5, 10 years how many uh, different and exciting ways to enjoy the food scene up here. Yeah, been. a lot of this stuff that started in um, kind of the major cities, uh, San Francisco, New York, Chicago, some of it 30 years ago, finally trickling in. Some of it more like that came to those scenes 10 years ago is now making its way up here in mass, you know, and you see places like whether it's Trixie's and Whistling Swan or the Whitman House, um, or it's just like a place like Husby's opening up the garage bar or Al Johnson's, another old staple, opens something like the Stabur and just kind of opens everyone's eyes. Go, Oh yeah, really like hanging out outside and, and eating and drinking rather than just coming to this beautiful place and shoving myself inside a, a dark restaurant, which is what we did for so long up here. It's just the fish boil was like the only outdoor dining thing we did for the longest time. And now all the restaurants have learned to capitalize on that outdoor ambiance. Would you say that the the change has really been dramatic over the last 10 years? Because yeah. like the way that I describe Door County dining, I think is totally different than the way that you might describe it, having been here for as long as you've been. Yeah, having grown up here and, you know, seeing it for like as a kid, Shipwreck had a small patio out front in the mid to late 90s. 
and that was like a big deal at the time and in egg harbor and it's it for some reason like the rest of us didn't change what we were doing at that time and at husby's in the late 90s early 2000s when i was there we had a patio and that was about the only outdoor dining in sister bay and then fred and fuzzy's you know he bought a few tables and put them on the grass out out by his uh at the end of little sister by pebble beach and I was like, wow, this really took off pretty wildly. Like, we don't even have to do, like, no offense to Red and Fuzzies, but they didn't even have to do anything, like, groundbreaking with their food. It was just, hey, we have tables on the water with a sunset. Pay for it. And people did, like, in droves. So it's just ta- it's taken a while for everyone to grasp that. But now if you, let's say your experience, like, we have an intern this summer who is 20 years old. And, you know, if her first experience in Door County was eight or nine years ago, that means like her only memories of Door County are this version. And a lot of people are that way. Um, But if you came here 15 or 20 years ago, maybe with your parents or 25 years ago as a kid with your parents, but had never been back, your, your version of your impression of what Door County is, is a totally different thing than what it actually is right now. Right. The I've, I've been here for almost six years now, but like my, my impression is that Door County is full of really great outdoor dining and there's all sorts of fine dining in Door County yeah. and small plates and interesting places where you can go in and get highly specialized food. Uh, like Taco Cerveza is just a walk-up taco bar or Good Eggs is, you know, you walk in, you get your breakfast burrito and it's very specialized and focused on what they're doing. So there's this incredible breadth of the culinary experience that you can get from my point of view. But then, like, I mean, I know people who vacationed up here 20 years ago who are like, oh, yeah, there's bars and supper clubs. Yeah. <laughs> and that was, I mean, heck, when I was growing up, like, if you were going, if it was prom night, it was like, oh, everyone got together and went to, like, your your high-end dining was to go pay 15, 16 bucks at, at a supper club. Like, no knock on it, but, like, that that was, like, the top end right. for the longest time. So. It's uh, it's changing rapidly. There's a really great spread. There's some great photographs by Lem Villano and Brett Cosmiter, um, who went out and got some great images to capture what that dining scene is like now. And then, you know, there, you know, that's not the only part of the magazine. There's like 15 other great articles. Yeah. Any other highlights um, from the magazine this this time around? Um, I finally got around to doing a story that I've been interested in for a while, which was on the Appleport School, which is just down the road from my house. Hasn't been a school since 1966. Okay, hang on. I want to stop you real quick. Uh, this is very special for my dad, who asks me every single time he comes up what that building is. Really? And I keep telling him, like, oh, it was an old school. And he's like, well, what happened to it? And I was like, I, I don't know. It just was an old school. And I pointed him to, like, the the, the mystery article that was written uh, a couple years ago about, you know, Door County mysteries and stuff. Oh, the curiosities? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I pointed him to that article, but that's that's pretty much all I know about it. Oh, are you talking about the Appleport School or the Sunny Point School, the one in Egg Harbor? I'm talking about the one in Egg Harbor. Yeah, that's Sunny Point School, but that's another one with a great story behind it um, that had that I did a few years ago, actually, because I used to think there's like this twisted sculpture in front. Yep. And when I was a kid, not even a kid, a high schooler, the a tornado ripped through Egg Harbor, and somehow nobody got got killed in that. And we actually recorded a podcast about it with Sarah Sawyer, if you want to look through our archives. She had some great memories because her home got de- destroyed with her kids inside and somehow nobody was injured. But anyway, it went through right by that school. And I thought that this statue, it kind of looks twisted like a tornado. Mm-hmm. I thought it was an homage to that tornado. Has nothing to do with the tornado. It used to be in the back of that school before the tornado ever came through. And they just moved it to the front after the tornado. So 
Random. But <laughs> okay, tell me about Apple Point School. So Appleport is, um, it's up on Old Stage Road in Double Z in Sister Bay, right down from my house. And um, this uh, artist, Karen Cook, is driving down the road one day and sees those, the north side of that building is all these really tall windows. And she said she drove off the road when she saw them because she was like, that would be a beautiful artist studio. And I, I really got interested in writing this because as I was talking to her about something totally different, she starts talking about the North Light and how important that is to artists because it, consi- it creates a consistent light in your studio throughout the day without artificial lighting. So you, you don't have like these shadows that change as you're trying to paint a portrait. And so she looked into who owned it. And at the time, um, John and Jackie Sawyer had just purchased it and the reason they purchased it is because Jackie Sawyer actually went to school there. She was part of the last class to go through Appleport School in 1966. She was in kindergarten. And this, thing, this building had been falling apart for 30, almost 40 years since then. Just somebody had lived in it on and off like in the summertime, but had not kept it up. The bell was gone. The siding was uh, chipped and gray and hadn't been painted in years. The playground equipment was just overgrown. and. Um, it's still the original play- playground equipment, but it was all rusted. And John and Jackie bought it and decided, you know, let's fix that up. And at least, who knows, maybe we'll do a, maybe we'll move our offices into there for Carlson Erickson building or something like that. But like, let's just save that building. And they did. They put a little money into it, fixed it up, um, found out the, the chalkboards were still inside 40 years later. The, the Duck Duck Goose um, ring was still on the floor. Uh, it still had a lot of the, that, feel of that old schoolhouse so then Karen contacted them and started renting it and eventually she bought it from the Sawyers and they Bob Dahlstrom the old superintendent at Gibraltar had the old school bell so he shows up one day he goes hey I have the old bell if you guys want this put it back in there so he brings the bell back and they put it back up in the tower which I guess was a bit of a task to get this thing back up there but it's kind of kind of cool like it, it may not be a school anymore but for people who did go to school there 50, 60 years ago, they, they'll drive by and Karen says people will stop in and knock on our window and, hey, can I take a look around? Like, this is where the library was. And they'll just be like, it just rekindles memories. So even though it's not the same incarnation, it, it still serves this kind of memorial um, sort of purpose for so many people. And I, I think it's cool that it's still around because even as I went through it, I was like, gosh, how did you do one-room one schoolhouses? You know, and you and I never experienced that. Right. So it's kind of a cool piece of our Door County history. I do have one question. Uh, what's a duck-duck-goose ring? Um, apparently, when you play duck-duck-goose, you sit around this circle. Oh, do you mean duck-duck-gray-duck? You call it gray-duck in Minnesota? Yep. What We're the, the only state that calls it duck-duck-gray-duck. See, Minnesota, just weird. Yep. Why? Why? I have no idea, but that's what I grew up. That's <laughs> I've what I never grew up even heard it. that. There you go, duck, duck, gray duck. <laughs> you learn something every day on the Door County Pulse podcast. Miles, where can you pick up the Door County Living magazine? Everywhere. It's all over the county. Uh, you'll see the racks inside almost every business. If the business doesn't have it, it's because they hate the history of Door County, um, and uh, or maybe they don't have space. It's one of those two things. I'm talking to you, Dad. Put our racks in your motel. Um, I'm glad that that was a, a very targeted attack on your father <laughs> yes. for this. Good. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it, it also gets mailed to every mailbox in Northern Door, which I think people should already have it in their boxes at right. the moment. Yeah, so I, I have two in my mailbox, yeah. and 
uh, in my PO box, and I'll be getting one on my desk, I'm sure, too. So <laughs> Probably. <laughs> if anybody wants one, just find me, and I'll get it to you. You'll also find out how the town of Namur got its name. Uh, Namur is a town in Southern Door. Um, that growing up, of course, as a kid, you just called it manure. And uh, you guys are so nice to each other. We are. We're we're, we're really great to each other in Door County. Um, uh, Jim Lundstrom gives you the story on how that got its name, um, which I just think like those little trivia tidbits are are fun to have in each issue. And Jim does a great job with them. So a lot of good information in this this month's issue. Cool. Uh, with that, why don't we take a quick break, and then when we come back, I want to talk about uh, a little bit more news, but also there's an event coming up that uh, uh, has kind of a special place in your heart, and you, you wrote a little bit about it. Uh, so let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll dive in. They call themselves the Stradivarius Builders of Sturgeon Bay, because the guys at Palmer Johnson were artists in wood and metalwork, anything you imagine. They did it so beautifully well. The first fishermen came down the lake from Pankin Island, worked their way along the north shore of Lake Michigan, and they came because of the whitefish. The whitefish were abundant. In 1945, 2000 German prisoners of war came to Door County and picked cherries for just one harvest season. Peninsula Filmworks is dedicated to telling the stories of Door County, past, present, and future. To learn more about the history of shipbuilding in Sturgeon Bay, to see how the cherry became a Door County icon, or to watch the peninsula's last remaining fishermen brave the waters to haul in thousands of pounds of whitefish daily, and the many other incredible stories produced with the Door County Visitor Bureau, visit doorcounty.com slash ourdoorcounty. Okay, we're back. So, Miles, the kids triathlon is coming up this weekend or next weekend? It's coming up next weekend. So, the July thirteenth. Um, the kids triathlon is uh, it's been going on for four years as a major part of the Door County triathlon, and Sean Ryan um, kind of brought it into the fold of of those events, uh, just kind of to make it part of one big weekend. The YMCA had previously done it with the swim portion held in the YMCA's pool. And I think they did part of the course and stuff kind of in the parking lot. And he wanted to make it all part of one event. And also it made sense because a lot of the parents of the kids tribe participants were participating in the Door County Tribe. So he's like, let's bring this all in this one thing and give the kids like the same basic course and finish line and experience that the adults get, which is pretty cool. So they get the big finish, they get the they swim in Horseshoe Bay. It's a very abbreviated swim course. Um, they're they're never in danger. Don't worry. There's a lifeguard almost. There's probably like a lifeguard for every foot that they go through the water. So we make it very safe. Well, and we should, I, we, we can probably paint the picture a little bit here because I had the opportunity to get some video footage last year of the kids try. And it's, it's really cool. Uh, what's the age range on the participants? So these are kids age 6 to 14. So when he first started this, I'm like, six, that's, that's young. But that's like, it's like so much fun to watch those little kids go in the water. Right. And they're, I believe they're lined up by age. So mm-hmm. you've got the, the young kids going in first and then the older kids coming in behind them yep. as a way to kind of, you know, uh, motivate them as, as they're going <laughs> along. Uh, but like you said, it starts in the water and you've got this incredible lineup. All of the, the, the audience is along the beach cheering for the kids, which is really cool. Uh, and then you've got these little six-year-olds who just like jump into the water and doggy paddle. There's <laughs> lifeguards, like you said, about every foot that they're going through this tunnel of around the corner and, and up on onto their bikes. Uh, that's where I was last year stationed watching that. And it was 
adorable and wonderful and just really cool to see all these kids like being cheered for and and doing this thing that uh i probably couldn't even do (laughs) in the with the same like energy and fun that they're having some of them are super intense and like just ready to go and shave every half second off their time and they're they're just trying to inch up to that starting line and get going and, and dive in and then you actually have to slow some of them down because they will dive in too quickly and too heavily into like the still shallow water and they're just going to belly flop onto sand on the bottom. Yep. And then you have some that are sort of scared to enter and you kind of coax them along and assure them that they're going to be all right. They're all very motivated by high fives too. Yes. Yes. You give them a, you show them a high five as they're going in the water and it's amazing the wonders it does. Maybe helps get some of them over their maybe over ambitious making up for their own shortcomings parents that are in the crowd. Some of them are pretty intense. So if you're one of those parents, Chill out and relax. Uh, Everybody's having a good time. Yeah. Uh, some of these kids have full on like race kits and they hit the bike and they've got their transi- transition really well mapped out. And some of them, of course, have like, you know, the borderline tricycles, you know, and they're just having fun and have a goofy helmet and stuff like that. Um, it, it's really cool to see them start from that point of fear. And then once they come out of the water, you see the smiles like, yeah, I actually did that. I did that. And then last year there was just you know once they hit the running portion these kids are doing a small swim and then maybe a couple of miles on the bike and the longest course is i think five miles on the bike and then one mile on the run and last year um one of these participants uh josie martin was really struggling on the walking portion she had gotten dehydrated it was a little warmer last year she'd done it a couple of times but this time it really hit her and she hit her leg on another bike as she was hitting the bike course. So she just wanted to be done. And I saw her probably like a quarter mile into the running portion and she was walking and her mother, Sarah, was walking alongside her trying to toe that line between being a, like pushing too hard as a parent and not not letting her give up. So she was just trying to gently encourage and we can do this, we're gonna do this, you're gonna be fine. And she was really sh- shaken up, but it was just so cool to see other little kids come up alongside her and start cheering her along and come along with Josie, you got this. You got this, Josie. Come on, Josie. And one of them, do you want water here? Have my water. And you got these little like eight, nine, 10, 11 year olds um, coming up and cheering. And some of them, it was an out and back course. So on their way back, they'd be like giving her encouragement. And about half mile through, she starts to like, okay, she gets over the the kind of the fear and the frustration and starts to walk a little faster and, and starts to jog a little bit. And then, I don't know, she was maybe 100 yards from the finish shoot and she could see that she was actually going to finish this thing. And she just starts sprinting. And there's this great picture of her just sprinting with a big smile through the finish line. And like those aspects of someone working through that and and toughing it out and and finding something inside them that they didn't know they had. And then also to see the other kids. I mean, I think kids are nicer today than they were when I was like, we, I don't know, we were all super competitive. We probably would have been like dogging whoever was not able to do what we were able to do. And to see these kids now, just the encouragement they showed and some of her teammates and stuff, just stopping on their own course to try and see if she was okay and pull her along. It was just a really cool moment for me. Got a little dusty out there on the on the course for me. You know, the, the triathlon is really cool because in terms of like, 
physical activity. It is like one of the most intense things that you can do up in Door County. Like it, it's a really professional event. Uh, and, and you've got athletes who are doing incredible things out yeah. there to be able to open the doors up to kids too, to have like, not only are they, are they participating in a fun activity, but they're participating in an activity that like is really cool too. You know yeah. what I mean? And they can see their parents doing the same thing. Um, but, but they're doing their version. You know what I mean? It's like their parents went out and competed and now I'm going to compete as a little kid too. And maybe I can win something. You know what I mean? Oh, and when they, when they finish and they walk away and they have their little kids medal and they're just parading around with it. Look at this, look at this. And then they, they get a ice cream sundae afterwards too, which I'm like, I'll do the kids try for the ice cream sundae. But it's, it's really awesome to see. Like kids who start by not wanting to, I've seen it with my own nieces and nephews where they don't want to do it. And once they finish, they're so happy they did it. Um, and it starts, you know, putting value in, it, not necessarily like being the best athlete or winning stuff, but just participating. And the joy that comes with um, just doing something you didn't know you were going to be able to do. Right. We should do more kids festivals, like a kids half marathon and a kids beer fest. <laughs> a kids half mile, maybe. <laughs> kids beer fest. Yeah. <laughs> that one almost slipped by me. Anything else about the, the article that you wrote about the tribe before we move on to the news? No, just that you can still register for the Door County Kids Triathlon. So if you have kids who might be interested, you can sign up online at doorcountytriathlon.com. And you can also sign up the weekend of. So if your kid is hedging and everything, don't worry. You can still get in. Uh, we'll do our best to make sure as many people get in as possible and, um, and have a great time. Is the kids try the highlight of your year? Because it certainly looked like it was last year. Yeah, I mean, it might be. I mean, I work a lot of these events. I think it's something like a dozen events a year. And um, I, I mean, I love the half marathon. That one's really special. But like, there's just something, A, the kids triathlon doesn't take as long. So I think in my psyche, it feels a lot better. But just, uh, I don't know, it, maybe the, it's the coach in me that I'm just like, all right, these kids are going to be better in, in, 35 minutes than they are now um, or they're going to believe in themselves more than they than they do right now so I think that I just really get inspired by that cool beautifully said Miles uh, so for the news this week the Door County Tourism Zone released its annual report and there were some pretty interesting things in that report right a lot of interesting things at least for me as a data junkie and somebody who's followed the Tourism Zone since it was formed 11-12 years ago um, I thought most fascinating to me is breaking down the numbers um it's kind of the sleeping giant that egg harbor is uh i've always known that it has a lot of lodging and more lodging than any place else but it's sold short because egg harbor is split into two municipalities for reporting purposes so uh you have the township of egg harbor and the village but the township includes the landmark and the shallows now shallows is not particularly large but it's notable landmark is 300 units it's a huge number of hotel rooms. Right. But it's just over the Egg Harbor Village line. So for all intents, from a business community perspective, it might as well be considered the same as the village. And they're, like the Shallows and Landmark are both members of the Egg Harbor Business Association. That is the association that represents them, just the way the Fish Creek Civic, Fish Creek Civic Association represents those in the town of Gibraltar. Ephraim Business Council represents Ephraim. So they're all represented by the same, but they're split for tourism for room tax reporting purposes. But if you combine them, and if you consider the Landmark and Shallow as part of Egg Harbor, they are by far the largest room tax generating community in Door County. 
It's even it, bigger than Sturgeon Bay? Much bigger. Hmm. So in the in the reporting, town of Gibraltar is the largest at 732,000, followed by Sturgeon Bay at about 645,000 for the year, and then followed shortly or quickly thereafter by the village of Sister Bay and the village of Ephraim. But the town and village of Egg Harbor combined is $870,000 a year. So that's almost 20% more than the town of Gibraltar. That's how much lodging is held in just the, that Egg Harbor corridor. And so it just made me think, like, the bigger voices in that industry in all of my time have always been um, Gibraltar, Ephraim, Sturgeon Bay. And then lately, Sister Bay has had more of a voice. But um, I, it, it just kind of made me go, wow, man, Egg Harbor is not just, I always knew that if you combine those two, that it'd be big, but it's, it's massive. And then, and it's growing. Last year, between the two of them, they grew 13%. So a massive surge by far, or not by far, but the largest Liberty Grove also grew by about 10% in room tax revenue last year. And yeah, there's just some, I thought that was really intriguing to me. It makes you think that, you know, maybe the town of Egg Harbor has to, should consider some of their budgeting and, and where some of those dollars go because they get a lot of tourism zone dollars, but I don't believe they contribute much to the Egg Harbor Business Council, even though it represents where most of those tourism dollars come from. So kind of interesting there. Tell me a little bit about uh, hotel stays in Airbnb because that's something that we've been getting more data on lately too, right? Yeah, so this report did a great job. Kim Roberts, who is the administrator for the tourism zone, broke down by category where people are staying. And so with all the development going on in Door County, you'd think, wow, there's so many more hotels. There's so much more lodging. We got to slow down. I hear that all the time. You see it on our Facebook page ad nauseum. The truth is there are fewer hotel rooms in Door County today than there were 10 years ago. There's many fewer than there were 15 years ago. Um, You've lost the Mariner, Cape Cod, Bluff Side, Helms Four Seasons, bunch of, you know, you're, you're already getting well over 100 units right there. And there hasn't been any new ones built of note until Goose and Twigs uh, built that little, a pretty small motel this year. So you actually have fewer hotel rooms, fewer bed and breakfasts. The traditional bed and breakfast went from about 35 permitted uh, 10 years ago to 23 this year. So you've lost significantly there. And where we've had growth is, of course, in Airbnbs. So you have roughly 400 and some new more permits today for lodging facilities than there were 10 years ago. Those are almost all homes, cottages, and condos that are now renting as vacation rentals, whether it be Airbnb, VRBO, or or just more traditional routes. Now, Miles, I've never stayed in an Airbnb or a VRBO or any of those acronyms before. Have you? Yes. Okay. So tell me, tell me about that experience. What makes uh, one of those acronymed lodging uh, places appealing? Um, so there's a couple of things. Generally, if you are, say, like a group of, you're two couples that want to come out to Door County, hotel room is going to, for each of you, is going to start getting pricey. Peak season, it's pretty tough to find something under $125 to $150, probably creeping on $200 a night, for especially for nicer places. So you're looking at $400 a night. Whereas if you have a couple of couples, a lot of times you can find a house for $300 a night. So you're just saving money and you're getting the whole house. You're getting a property. You're getting more flexibility and more privacy. If you have a larger group at a third couple or maybe it's two couples with families, now you're starting to get significant advantages to 
having a house versus a hotel. On the flip side, um, as someone with a sister who comes up here with her six kids, she likes a hotel because there's a pool involved and that occupies the kids a lot. So there's like pros and cons to, to both ways. When I, my wife and I went to Costa Rica on our honeymoon a few years ago, and we did Airbnbs the entire time. We did three different Airbnbs in three different areas um, to get different aspects of it. And in one of them, we stayed in a house where the couple and their daughter lived on one side, and they had a room on the other side that was kind of private, but you also interacted with them. There's, in that kind of instance, it's kind of cool because you get to know someone who lives there, and they give you some insights that's just different than maybe a hotel, a standard hotel might feel. So there's there's aspects like that that a lot of people dig into, but I think a lot of times it just comes down to cost and availability. Like there's there's a lot more, you know, if you take Fall Fest right now, that weekend, most of Northern Door is probably close to, if not already fully booked up in the hotel sense. But I'm guessing you can f- still find some private homes and condos for rent. What's the economic impact of private lodging compared to like hotels and motels? It's gotten big and it's getting bigger. So you have, right now that represents 22% of all overnight stays from last year, but 28% of total income from overnight stays. So they're kind of hitting above their weight. They're, they're bringing in uh, an increasingly large share because, you know, uh, they just get that higher per night figure spread across more people. Um, economically, that's, you know, that brings in a lot of room tax dollars. That brings in a lot of local revenue um, to that pool. Like lodging in some brought in $90 million last year in Door County. That's a pretty large industry. And Airbnb and VRBO are becoming a larger and larger part of that. Um, now, 40% of the permits for those types of businesses are given out to people with addresses not in Door County. So that's that's a lot. That indicates that it's a lot of investor homes and second homes, vacation homes that are being rented out. Um, Bob Dixon actually told me something interesting about this. He's like, you know, he has he owns a hotel, and people start seeing it as a threat. He goes, it is, but yeah, we just got to be better at what we do. You know, it's kind of he said it's kind of funny to see restaurant owners complain about food trucks and the town of Gibraltar complain about food trucks because they're going to compete with restaurants. And he said, man, I'm a, I, I have to compete with every single person who has a bedroom right now. Like, you're complaining about a food truck? People don't even have to invest to start renting out their bedroom. Right. So, you know, if anyone wants to start crying, it would be hotel owners. But he said um, what it's actually doing is it's allowing more people to come into Door County. It might be one of the reasons you're seeing this boom. We credit it a lot with marketing with DCVB efforts, with uh, the change in Door County and the investment of a lot of businesses. And that definitely is a large, if not the largest factor. But you also have, I had never really thought of this before, but you have a lot more marketplace because if all the hotels were booked back in the day, then you were full up and there was a finite number of people that could come up here and stay overnight. Now you have all these private homes for rent, which is just increasing the pool of people who can come up here because it used to be okay, somebody would use those for two weeks a year for vacation and they'd sit empty, unused. So Bob Dixon was saying that those are a large unutilized asset that is now being put to use, which means that maybe if those are 400, 500 more permits in peak season, that's four or 500 more people. And assume at least every one of those is two people. It's probably, your estimate would probably be closer to four to six. So you're looking at 2,000 to 3,000 more people that can come up here and stay overnight 
on an on than could be ten years ago when all the hotels were booked. Right. Like at peak occupancy, we're, we just have a higher peak occupancy. Well, and and going back to what you said a little bit earlier about the the competition, uh, generally it's good because I mean the more people that we can have up here, the more people can go to our businesses and our restaurants and that kind of stuff, which mm-hmm. is great. Um, but I mean, what you said about the the competition, there's stuff that an, that an Airbnb can't offer. I mean, you you touched on right. it with the, the with the pool or the service or the amenities. Uh, you you can't get those same things. So if those are important to you, then that's where you know hotels and other lodging options are always going to succeed in that way. Yeah, um, and I've and, stayed in Air- Airbnbs that weren't well kept. You know, like you, it's it can be hit or miss. You know, like a hotel, you generally know what you're going to get based on looking at the website and things like that. I'm sure you know there's. You can quibble here and there, but like there, are, Airbnbs are more of a crapshoot. Like you, they, they might promise something that's not there. Something might be under repair. If something breaks, they may not be. They don't have a maintenance guy. You know, it's an absentee owner. They don't have some guy who comes fix your dishwasher or make sure the hot tub works or something like that. Um, so there's there's drawbacks. Right. Uh, anything else on the report that was released before we wrap up here? Um, well, if you read the report, and I, I didn't put this in the article, although there is some great charts that break down, you know, the room tax by municipality collected and also room tax um, peak occupancy rate. So the highest occupancy rate in peak season in Door County is now Sister Bay at about 85%. Um, Gibraltar's right behind that. Ephraim's right behind that. Uh, I think Sturgeon Bay might be down around 8th or ninth in occupancy rate. Um, but you also can see the growth in occupancy rate. So like Sister Bay, when they, in 2009, the first year that room tax was collected by all the municipalities, Sister Bay's occupancy rate was about, I think like 66%, if I have that right. I'm talking off the top of my head here, but it's something like 15 to 20 percentage points higher than it was when they first started. Most towns have seen double digit growth in that period in terms of occupancy in peak season. Surgeon Bay has seen a much smaller growth, um, and the Village of Egg Harbor has seen much smaller growth, but it started at a pretty high level. They were at 76% occupancy 15 years ago, and it's still at, now it's about 80%. But I think those occupancy numbers are pretty interesting to look at. And Well, and you, you had touched on, too, the, the room tax being collected in 2009. And if you want to learn more about that, uh, you can actually listen to the episode episode of the podcast that we did with John Jarsh from the Door yeah. County Visitor Bureau, because we broke down a bunch of these numbers too. And and what collecting room tax allowed for is better and more accurate reporting about this type of stuff too. So this would be, now we have 10 years of data, right? Right. That's, that's a pretty great milestone to be able to look at, hey, here's how things have been changing over 10 years. And you think where Sister Bay had that, because where they've had some growth is their shoulder seasons too. Their occupancy rate is higher now because they have all those great restaurants that are open. Most, not most of them, year, not, I shouldn't say most, a lot of them year round, certainly well into the shoulder seasons. So you're seeing greater occupancy and that's where they're making up a lot of that ground. And then um, it also tells me that, man, is there a sleeping giant in Sturgeon Bay in that, you know, if they're only at about 70% occupancy at peak season, you know, you just increase that to, Five or, ten, five or 10 percentage points higher. And that's major revenue because they're already second in um, total revenue, third by my standard of lumping egg harbors together. But it just shows you how much room to grow there is because just by maximizing the peak season, you know, unlike for most communities, they're like, they're so, 
their their occupancy and peak seating is so high that you're like, all right, we got to focus on the shoulders. Surgeon Bay can just focus more effort in the in the summer, and and still grow a ton. And it just also makes you look at the data because I've been at a lot of those council meetings where people say, well, you we just we need to build hotels because we don't have enough rooms, and we can't make, bring in more room tax because we don't have the hotel rooms. Well, the the truth is, even in peak season, there's a lot of hotel rooms to be filled, and that's there's there's just a lot of opportunity there. And each community could look at that and find things. Bailey's Harbor, you you'd look at that and you'd say like, wow, there's some pretty good growth in Bailey's Harbor too. I think ten or eleven percent um, since the beginning of the room tax collections. Um, and you can see why. There's you know the brewery comes in, um, the Peninsula Pulse is located here. Uh, things like that. New restaurants, Chives. They redid their beach. They redid Ridges Beach. Got an upgrade. And Clam Park got an upgrade. Ridges has expanded their nature center and their grounds. Then you look at, oh, here's another point. I know I'm rambling here, but I got to get this in. The communities that are growing rapidly have invested a ton in themselves. Sister Bay invested $17 million. That Their payoff is a ton more lodging nights. I mean, you look at that growth in occupancy rates and in total revenue, there's, that's huge. So that, that goes a long way toward paying for that offsetting the cost of those improvements. The Village of Egg Harbor, all their growth, what did they do? They built a new marina for six or seven million dollars. They put two to three million dollars into expanding and upgrading their beach. And they built the Crest Pavilion with five million dollars in donations and a couple more million dollars in village funds. So, and then Bailey's Harbor invested in itself. All those communities have invested a ton and they're seeing the windfall from that in terms of tourism dollars in their communities. It's no, it's no coincidence. It's also... The communities that have the most frequent complaining about parking, Sister Bay, Town of Gibraltar, which is Fish Creek, and Egg Harbor now, that parking problem does not seem to deter visitors at all. If anything, it attracts more. Right. Uh, so um, there are reasons to address parking shortages, but if you always see this on, on social and elsewhere that, oh, there's, there's no, no parking, nobody's coming here anymore, you're going to scare everyone away. That definitely doesn't seem to be borne out by any evidence. Right. No parking doesn't mean no one's coming. It means that everybody's coming. Everybody's coming, yeah. Yeah. I I find reports like this fascinating because one of the major things that I really wanted to to do with this podcast was to be able to provide more context for people who were having discourse out in the community. To be able to tell people like, hey, here's something that is happening. And if you are for or against it, that's fine. But here's as much data as we can give you to have that discussion. Right. Uh, And something like this can point to, I mean, just as you were saying about reinvestment, whenever a town wants to invest in something, build something new, start something different, there's always uh, controversy around it. Uh, And and that's anywhere. It's not just up in Door County, but there's always going to be people who are very passionate for it and very passionate against it. And stuff like this, where you get real numbers to look to, is incredibly helpful in shaping those debates. And room tax, you know, whether someone was for it or against it back in the day, as a reporter, what I love is I don't have to rely on the annual survey that's kind of extrapolated from, like they, they put out that annual report that says there's roughly $354 million in tourism-related spending in Door County. It's a good baseline barometer, but anybody involved with that will tell you that, you know, it's it's based on some surveys, anecdotal stuff that 
you know, asking somebody, how much do you spend on a day when you're in Door County? That kind of thing. Like, how accurate is that really? Like, how would I answer that? I don't know. What would I include? Would I include my gas? Would I include uh, just my dining out? Like, that, it's really um, very anecdotal. Would I include, like, when I have to stop in the mechanic while I'm up here? But right. that's tourism related, right? Or even would you include your hotel stay? You know what I mean? Because yeah. like I might think like, oh, well, I go out and I might spend, you know, 50 bucks shopping and then 100 bucks eating. And I might not even think about the 200 bucks I'm spending on, on lodging. Or if you started coming here seven years ago and by your third time up here, you were like, you know what? I want to buy a, a vacation home. And now it's set four years later and somebody asks you, how much do you spend when you're up here? You probably don't include your $600,000 vacation home. But if you spread that out over your seven years and every time you come up here, that makes your vacation spending like astronomically higher. Right. And like it dwarfs everything else you do. But nobody does that. So those surveys aren't as helpful in judging the ups and downs of the economy and the tourism economy specifically. But the room tax numbers, you get so much data in them. You get their their average daily spend. You get the occupancy rate. You get the number of rooms available and the number of rooms full. You you get And you get all that information by municipality. So you can judge, you can look and see like, wow, is Sister Bay's efforts paying off? Is Bailey's Harbor effort paying off? Um, and no, that's not like the only way to judge them, but it gives you a lot of, a really hefty database to start from. Cool. Well, Miles, I think that that's just about going to do it for us this you week. You desperately want me to stop talking about these numbers. I'm sorry. If you are a huge nerd like Miles and you want to look <laughs> at numbers and graphs, you should check out the article in The Pulse this week about the report. Uh, and if you're like me and you want to look at pretty pictures of food, you should pick up Door County <laughs> Living Magazine out uh, out and about in Door County. Uh, anything else before we say No, I'll miles? shut up. Well, let us go. All right. Well, have a good 4th of July week and weekend, and you uh, as I'll well. see you next week. Thanks, Andrew. These stories and more will be available in this week's issue of the Peninsula Pulse, available throughout Door County. For more headlines, visit doorcountypulse.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the Door County Pulse podcast for your weekly Pulse picks, interviews, and exclusive content from the Peninsula Pulse. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.